You are listening to an Awkward Human podcast. For more information on this podcast or all of our shows, visit awkwardhuman.com slash shows. Hey, everybody. Hello, my little pupas. How is everyone doing? It's episode four. Welcome to Interview with a Comic Book Nerd. My name is Richard Cardenas. I am your host. I am the only one. That's my dog shaking and clicking, clacking in the background. That's him. His name is Rocco. Say hello, Rocco. He's not going to say hello. Anyway, welcome to the show, everyone. Glad to have you guys back. I'm doing okay. How are you guys? Are you guys doing okay? I'm good. Um, I actually just came back from watching the movie Snatched with Amy Schumer and the goddess that is Goldie Hawn. It was actually really funny. So if you guys um, are debating watching that, I would recommend it. Five out of five. It's funny. Anyway. um, All right. So it's the top of the show. What are we going to do? We're going to do the same thing we always do. We're going to review slash recap a comic book. All right, so this week, the comic book that I chose is um, X-23. This is from the Marvel Next. I don't even know. Is it a line? Marvel Next. That's what's on the thing. Marvel Next, X-23. This is issue number four. This is uh, written by Kyle. Um, oh, my goodness. I'm sorry, you guys. It's written by Craig, Kyle, and Christopher Yost. And then pencils by Billy Tan, um, inks by John Sybil, and colors by Brian Haberlin. Haberlin. One day I'm just going to say all the names without having to repronounce them. <laughs> all right. So uh, just a little bit of background about this issue. This is about Laura Kinney. She is the clone slash daughter of Wolverine, Logan. And it's, this series kind of tells the backstory of how she grew up in um, in the lab or whatever. Um and it's really good. I really enjoy it so far. It kind of shows her mother, the person who whose egg it was basically and who's, uh, who carried her to term. She is a scientist who was trying to work out how to create the clone because they had a uh, the DNA, but the Y chromosome was all messed up. So they were like, we have to clone Wolverine, figure it out. And she tried and tried and tried and every single time it was a failed experiment until finally she was like why do we have to make it a male why don't we just make it a female make it two xx chromosomes we don't even have to worry about um, the y chromosome that's damaged we can't repair it so let's make it a female and at first the the scientists are like nope that's not going to be okay like a girl no way and she's like dude this is the only way and so eventually they're like all right let's do it um, they do, and sh- Laura Kinney is born, um, and she is a huge success to them. And there's this one um, one uh, scientist named Xander, I believe, who is a complete piece of shit. Uh, to him, Laura X-23 is just an experiment. She's just like a thing. She's a creature. She's not a person. And the scientist who gives birth to her she stays on um, to like raise her and try to treat her well and try to give her some kind kind of resemblance of a childhood. 
through all her like assassination training and everything. The story so far up to this point has been kind of really fucked up. She has this sensei who's kind of like a father figure to her. And um, she's experimented on with this um, trigger scent that when she smells it, she loses complete control or she loses all control of herself. And she basically goes into a rampage and they give it to her while she's training with her with her sensei, I guess. And she kills him. And it's really devastating. But at this point, uh, before this issue starts, she's on a mission and um, she she gets left behind by that scientist, Sander. He leaves her behind um, really shitty. And he claims that she died on the field, which she absolutely did not. And the top of the the issue uh, basically shows her return. Like she's made it all the way back. And so, you know, the doctor is happy. Her birth mother is really happy about that. And she is trying to get Laura to tell her what happened, but she's not really, you know, saying anything about it. Um, the doctor gets a call on the phone, and this is Dr. Kinney. And it's from her sister. Basically, her niece, Dr. Kinney's niece, is missing. And her sister's like, I need your help. And Dr. Kinney decides that she's going to use Laura to track down the kidnapper of her niece. So they basically go out and um, undo that. While this is all happening, Xander has a mistress who's his boss's wife, and she has his son um, around the time when Laura was born. And uh, the wife is trying to tell the boss like what's going on, but he doesn't really have time to really listen to her because he's so busy worrying about X-23 and the whole project and everything. And Xander is like kind of catching on that there's something up. So anyway, we're at Dr. Kinney's sister's house and um, she's like, you know, I really need your help. And Dr. Kinney's like, I brought someone. Don't worry about it. Uh, Her sister doesn't know about Laura at all. She stays hidden basically the whole time. But basically what uh, they do is they have Laura kind of sniff around and track where the girl is. And so she finds out where her, I guess, cousin, really, uh, her cousin is being held. And she was definitely kidnapped by a guy who I guess is kind of like a pedophile and and he's murdered a bunch of people, which we find out a little bit later. But uh, Laura dresses up as a a Girl Scout and she goes to his door and she's like, hey, I got cookies. And he like kind of opens the door, looks around. He's like, okay, yeah, come in. And he's already planning on fucking stabbing her. Like he goes into the drawer and he's like, I'm just going to get my wallet. And he's not getting his wallet. He's fucking knife drawer. And he pulls out a knife and she's like, Hey, take a look at the cookies. And she opens the box. And when he looks inside, it's a photo of the girl that he's kidnapped. And so he starts freaking out and she goes on a murdering rampage. Well, just on the one guy, but uh, she throws him out the window and they're able to rescue uh, the little girl, the doctor, Dr. Kinney's niece, AKA Laura's, cousin aka her name is megan so they rescue her and um everything seems to be fine uh they go back to the facility and the boss there and xander are really pissed off because dr kinney took laura without letting them know and you know they spent days freaking out and trying to figure out what happened to laura um so they're like all right, Dr. Kinney, like, you know, the inevitable is happening with you. Like you are obstructing us a little too much. Come back to, to my office and we'll talk. Um, later Xander and the boss are driving around. 
I can't remember his name right now, but I'm going to call him the boss. <laughs> so Xander and the dro- the boss are driving around and a little backstory. Xander was raised by this guy because his father had passed away when he was young. And so um, the boss kind of raised him and brought him into the company and everything. Uh, and he basically controls the company right now. And later on, I think when he ends up dying, I guess Xander's going to take control. But Xander is driving around with the boss and he tells him like, hey, you know what? You're under so much stress right now. I'm going to do you a solid. Like, I'm such a good guy. Why don't you make me the boss for now while you kind of figure your shit out? Because, you know, you're, you don't have your head in the game and I don't want this stress on you. And so the boss is, you know, convinced that this is what's happening. And he says, yeah, sure. I'm going to sign over the company for you to you. So you're the boss. You're the head honcho. Go out there and do me proud. So Xander drops off the boss at his home where he's going to have a conversation with his wife, a.k.a. Xander's mistress. And Xander drives off, but he doesn't go very far. He stops the car and he pulls open the trunk and he shows up. We see a picture of his boss plus the boss's wife plus their kid slash his kid. And he's like, hey, you have another mission. You have 22 minutes. And then we see that it's Laura Kinney inside the trunk. And that's where the issue ends. And that's fucked up. That is the woman that he has been having an affair with for a very long time and even had a kid with. And now he's sending Laura X-23 out to murder his, you know, family, basically. I mean, I guess he doesn't really acknowledge that the son is his. He knows that the son is his, but I don't think that he really cares. So now he's going to have them murdered, which is super, super fucked up. Anyway, it's a great uh, it's a great little series there. I don't think it's too long. Um, I don't know how many issues there are in it, but I'm on the first volume of the collection, the complete collection. And so I'm really enjoying it. Really love it. So check it out if that sounds interesting to you. If you've ever wanted to know her backstory, Laura Kinney's backstory, how she was raised in this facility, like it's really fucked up story. Um, and it's good. I like it. But uh, before we get into the main interview, I did want to quickly say, I don't know if you guys know this, but Marvel just announced or kind of teased the return of the Runaways series. Uh, This series, I think, was started or created in 2005. I could be completely wrong about that. But um, basically, Brian K. Vaughn, he's the writer and creator of um, Saga, which is an image comics uh, publication uh, publication um, they publish it uh, so he writes saga he also created why the last man um, these are both really cool books I actually just started why the last man and it's super fascinating and I'm gonna actually have someone on to talk all about why the last man because we need to have a little bit of a break from superheroes from time to time but anyway uh, he originally wrote the series and, um, I don't think he's going to be returning for the, for the new series that's coming out. But anyway, the original series was about these kids who find out that their parents are basically part of an evil organization and they run away and, um, they decide that they're going to try to fight back. Uh, they're going to fight their parents because they're evil. Uh, it's a really fun, 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 uh, comic book. I'm not a huge fan of the art, but, uh, it, you know, it is what it is. I don't mind. Um, it's really fun. So check that out. I'm excited for the Runaways return. Hopefully 
by the time it comes out, I won't be too far behind because I am still catching up on the whole series. Uh, and that's about it. Um, that's it for me. But this week, uh, we have a fun conversation with John Bring. He is the co-writer and creator of a comic book series called Penguins vs. Possums. And we'll have links in the show notes. So follow that. It's a very cute uh, um, comic book with these two creatures at war with each other. Um, so check it out. It's really fun. But this week we're talking about Nightcrawler. This is one of John's very favorite characters. He's an X-Men. Um, what we kind of don't do is dive into the minutia of, of who Nightcrawler is because we spend a lot of time talking about the movies and the games and stuff like that. But it's a fun conversation either way. So enjoy the conversation I have with John Brink. This is Nightcrawler. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so John Bring, you are on my show now. We've started. Oh, we've started. <laughs> yes. Oh, how we're, fun. We're here. And you're here to talk about Nightcrawler. I am. So um, I'm going to give you basically the way I like to start it off is basically I tell my guests kind of what I know and then mm -hmm. we just go from there. Okay. Um, basically what I know about Nightcrawler is that he kind of, and I don't know if this is true, but he to me seems to have the most relationships throughout like the mutant community yeah um, he's been around because not necessarily like romantic but like he has like a ton of siblings like his his relation to his mother his father mm -hmm. like it seems that a lot of the characters like have some kind of connection to him in mm -hmm. some way um and whereas other characters might just be like themselves or maybe like a sibling or a love interest or something hmm. i don't know if well that's true. well no i mean i i know that uh He's quite a dashing kind of character. So I think despite the fact that he's blue and furry, um, he gets a lot of tail. Mm -hmm. uh, no pun intended. But <laughs> he uh, he's bedded with a lot. He's bedded a lot of ladies. Mm. Um, I, if man, if memories, I can think of at least four or five off the top of my head. But um, <clears throat> yeah. And then uh, obviously he's got famous mother and father. Yeah. Uh, reportedly. I, reportedly, I, I, well, I mean, not reportedly. I guess they did confirm it. It was a. It was more. I grew up in the uh, the theory zone of Mystique has to be Nightcrawler's mom because they're blue, um, mm -hmm. even though you know for so much of Marvel's tenure and especially Chris Claremont's run, so many blue mutants show up mm -hmm. throughout. And I don't know if that's just like because blue is an easy color to print. I think that was part of the reason mm -hmm. a lot of blue. You know, a lot of characters that were supposed to be bl colored black were actually blue because I never understood that actually. because they couldn't print gray. I think really, yeah. So that's why, like all, like if you look at old Venom comics, all of his highlights are blue mm -hmm. instead of like a gray color. Uh, and the same with the original X Men uniforms. Yeah, yeah, they were supposed to be black, but I've always thought of them as blue and yellow. Right. So, um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it was a lot of uh, blue mutants back in the day, or a lot of blue characters in general, like Archangel turned blue. Mm -hmm. He's turned blue, uh, like people like, well, it was Gladiator. Do you remember Gladiator I from the Shi'ar? Uh, <laughs> he's either blue or purple, but I'm, uh, he, he may have been purple. But anyhow, just a lot of like blue mutants. And But me and my friends always theorized about a lot of things. We said like Wolverine, you know, ripped from his mother's stomach as oh, a baby Jesus. with the claws. And <laughs> these are things that like Boy Scouts of America, we are like huddled in the side, like with our trading cards, like, you know, theorizing about all these characters and what, you know, 
who where they where they come from, but because I don't know what it was about Mystique and Nightcrawler that I, I was convinced and uh, ultimately proved to be true mm-hmm. uh, that I was like, oh yeah, those guys are they must be related. They have to be. And sure enough, uh, yeah. supposedly she is his mother, even though they look the same age, or maybe she even looks younger. But I guess that's the joy of being a shapeshifter, right? Yeah, yeah. Mystique but it, can look however she wants. Um, I know it's not about Mystique, but I have a question about her, if you know it. Um, does she have... Is is The reason that she looks young, I know that she's a shapeshifter, she can shift into whatever she wants, but does she have some kind of like a slow aging process or something? I think so. I think her shapeshifting powers have like slowed her aging. Okay. Um, because obviously like as we get older, like our uh, internal organs start to work a little bit less mm-hmm. and they start to degrade. But I feel like she doesn't have that normal like degradation of everything that degradation. That may not be the word, but degrading of her like internal organs and stuff because right. they, I don't know, because they shift all the time. I don't know. I know I read something about it once about what the, the physiology of her staying young uh-huh. and staying alive. Cause at this point she's over a hundred years old. She's like almost as old as Wolverine. Right. I think. Cause I mean, I've, I've, I seem to recall stories of her back in the 1800s being an adult. Oh wow. Um, like long before she had Nightcrawler and stuff like uh-huh. that. I could be wrong on that, but, uh, uh, anyhow. Yeah. So th- I know that somebody's explained it at some point. Um, but yeah, I think it has something to do with her shape-shifting physiology. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if, if you're not right about that, I'm sure some nerd listening is going to... Oh, yeah. Come on. Hit chime, me. Uh, chime in. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like here's my thing. Um, I love comics. I love X-Men. I'm not... like I haven't read... Um, the last thing I read in a long, for first time in a long time was the Dark Phoenix Saga to do another person's podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, that sort of definitely reignited like my love of all of this stuff, mm-hmm. wh- which is why when you were like, hey, do you want to come talk about Nightcrawler? I was like, hell yeah, I want to come talk about Nightcrawler. <laughs> it sort of reignited all my love. But I will say that I haven't been reading for the last probably three or four years. And I've sort of just fallen out of it just a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no less love for the comics. But, you know... After a while, like your memory gets a little hazy yeah. on a few things. So I apologize if I do get some facts wrong. But yeah, if there's anybody out there that wants to correct me, please do. Or if you <laughs> if you happen to know Richard, please. Maybe I might. Yeah. I'm, I'm just as new as anyone else um, that's new. I don't know what that means. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so let's start from the beginning a little bit. Sure. I know that he came in when uh, Chris Claremont came in. That is correct. And uh, that was like beyond or after the silver age or something or right. was that still during the silver age uh no this is, this is during uh this is during the uh mid 70s i want to say okay like 75 76 i think uh-huh. so like everything good came out around that time like jaws star wars <laughs> giant size x-men number one but yeah during the 60s um obviously before chris claremont came in um i i uh, i know stan lee's run had a very long run mm-hmm. on x-men but uh, their popularity waned in a very heavy way. They were never like the number one book, like Captain America, The Avengers, that Spider-Man. Those were huge, Fantastic Four. Those were the big books of the day. X-Men kind of off to the wayside there. They were like an outlier. So they got canceled uh, mm. back when the team was like Cyclops, you know, the original five, right. plus Havoc and Polaris. Uh, so the, the book got canceled. Uh, those characters sort of like faded into obscurity. I'm sure they made some probably one-off appearances, but that was probably, I, I think it was at least five years before they came back with mm-hmm. a splash, which was Giant Size X-Men number one, where uh, the artist was Dave Cockrum, and um, I believe, it, yeah, it was Chris Claremont was the writer, mm-hmm. and man, did he have some big plans for <laughs> the X-Men, but Dave Cockrum, they got together, made, an as we know, an all-new band of mutants, 
The only other, I think the only character Cyclops was in the team, and the only other character that had already been created was Wolverine. But they uh, apparently the rumor has it that on the cover Dave Cockrum just drew Wolverine's mask wrong. Oh. Because it was originally like a very goofy looking, like whisker looking mask. <laughs> Dave Cockrum drew it wrong and it became the the famous mask that well, thank he still God wears for that, the I guess. I know. Because <laughs> I, I all I often have wondered, like, man, had he just drawn it right, would Wolverine be the same kind of character? Because that mask is so perfect and iconic. Mm-hmm. And I would just like to say that about Dave Cockrum as a designer, because uh I think the story is that he had just a sketchbook with a ton of just character ideas. So we had Nightcrawler, Colossus, Storm, like Banshee, just drawings of these characters in this book. And Chris Claremont, I guess, flipped through the book and just picked who he wanted and came up with, you know, stories for each of them, Mm -hmm. uh, which is just amazing to me because, I mean, think about like all those costumes and all those iconic looks Mm -hmm. of all those characters. And I mean, specifically about Nightcrawler, that's like a Spider-Man level costume. Like they got it right the first time. Like. (laughs) You shouldn't touch the Spider-Man costume. It's It was made perfect. It still is perfect. And I think, in my opinion, they've messed with it a lot of times, but Nightcrawler's costume, I mean, the little, like, arm pad, the little, yeah, like, yeah. shoulder things that kind of come off, that's a little dated, but I still think it works for the character and that that, char- that costume design was just perfect. Just mm-hmm. like an almost all-black, like, leotard with the white gloves. I don't know what it was about that, but... It's one of my favorite costume designs ever. And it's one of like three or four in com- in all of comics, including like, you know, the classic Batman look and stuff. Right. It's like perfect. Did you watch um, X-Men Apocalypse? I did. <laughs> That's a good reaction. Um, how did you feel at the end with the like costume reveal? I, did that look weird to you? It looked or? really weird. Okay. It was the whole movie was a little weird because Brian Singer uh, hates comic books. Um, really i know this because and this is gonna sound like a humble brag believe me it's not but uh (laughs) i as a writer's assistant i'm a writer's assistant on tv as you know Uh but as your listeners probably don't um but one time i was working with a guy who was developing a um a series with brian singer so we had to go to brian singer's house a few times to do notes so i got to meet brian uh, his producing partner and it was really neat to be in his house he had so much like x-men art like uh, the uh, like, for instance, above his mantle was the um, big painting of uh, Peter Dinklage from Days of Future Past, oh. like from the set, uh-huh. like the one where he like hid his safe behind it. So stuff like that. But while we were there, they got to talking about the comics because they were uh, adapting a comic property at the time. It never it never happened. But he literally say he picked up a comic and he was like, I hate this shit. Oh, I hate this shit. And he threw it down. And I mean, this was when they were like, was he talking about like that specific story or just, well, it was, an, I mean, it was an age of apocalypse story. Like I got excited for apocalypse cause I saw he talked about what they were watching they watched the age of apocalypse cartoon, uh, the X-Men adaptation from the nineties. Uh-huh. Um, he had all the age of apocalypse books lying out and I was like, man, this is going to be a dope movie. This is going to be so good. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, and obviously it didn't happen. No. Um, but yeah, but he hates that stuff. So I feel like that was definitely like Fox making him do it because I know that guy did, didn't want to have like some reveal where they all had their X-Men uniforms on mm-hmm. and they just looked goofy. You could kind of tell he didn't really care about the design mm. of them. They just looked dumb. And yeah. I, I hate to say that because I love that they were all like their distinctive colors right. schemes. But I was like, this looks really <laughs> terrible, you guys. I didn't hate it. Um, I thought it did look a little weird. It looked a little, um, how, how do I say, like. 
clay-ish. I don't even know if that makes hmm. sense. It just looked like they they molded the costumes onto yeah. them. In, in and we're like, here, we're going to put this on. Don't move. We're going to get one shot. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> it'll break off. It just looked cheap to me. A little they, bit. Yeah, they just looked cheap. Um, that being said, though, I did I did like Nightcrawler in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like any kind of any kind of like adaptation of Nightcrawler, I'm I think I'm gonna ultimately enjoy. Did you like Alan Cumming or oh god, Cody Cody McPhee or whatever McPhee, his name is? Yeah, um, Alan Cumming all day, every uh-huh. day. Because <laughs> not only is Alan Cumming just one of the best actors right. and one of my favorites, um, I mean that movie was also one of the best X Men movies. X two, X two, yeah, uh, X Men United, uh-huh. um, and the Nightcrawler. I mean, God, that opening scene where he goes into the White House, so I'll, good. That alone, I that was the first time. I believe because I I grew up in South Georgia, um, and I feel like movie audiences are a lot uh, more reserved there. So we didn't really like clap. We didn't really we laughed at comedies, and you know sometimes you get some scare, you know, some screams on a scary movie. But for an action movie, there weren't like applause. Like in L.A., people applaud for moments. I literally stood up on my feet and like cheered <laughs> at the end of that scene that because so cool. I was so excited about it. I had, it was really good. It was amazing. It it's, was so good. And it still holds up. Like it's oh, yeah. it's up there with like Brian Singer knows how to put like one amazing action scene in every one of those X-Men movies pretty much. And it was like rivaling. It could rival the Quicksilver from mm-hmm. Days of Future Past. I think it's just like incredible. And Alan Cummings performance in that just gave him the exact right spirit that the character should have had. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't love the way they dressed him and a sort of like, cause I know they were going like for a circus kind of theme. Cause they gave him like striped, like purple pants and like this long brown coat and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't expect him to be in the black tights mm-hmm. uh, with the weird shoulder thing. <laughs> um, and so I didn't love the way like he was dressed, but I mean, other than that, and I didn't also didn't love like the weird, like scars on his face. Oh, the like, um, the like religious, whatever. Yeah. Cause I think that was supposed to be like in a way to represent like how he was supposed to be furry in the comics. Instead of just making him have fur, they gave him this texture on his face. Mm. So I understand why they did it from a design perspective, but I didn't love all that. But I mean, but Alan Cummings performance was just perfection from top to bottom. Like it could not have gotten any better from, from a performance perspective. I wish he could have gotten to do more, after that first sequence because they didn't really i feel like they just outdid themselves in the first five minutes of the movie yeah and besides wolverine's berserker rage a little bit later in like they just like by the time they got to the end of it there was nowhere left to go uh especially with nightcrawler and the use of his powers because he barely like uses them yeah he like did one little i'm afraid to do this but i'm gonna do it because we're all gonna die yeah he teleports straight in (laughs) and he saved uh storm and professor yeah um which is like yay um (laughs) i mean awesome because i love nightcrawler but uh like i said i I loved it i definitely missed him in um the third x-men movie even though i feel like alan cumming probably dodged a bullet by not being in that movie (laughs) yeah um but uh, he i think it was very wise of him to not come back Uh but uh, but yeah, I really I love that performance and and Cody Smith McPhee for what it's worth, I felt like did a good job and mm-hmm. um, I enjoyed how he looked with the sort of thriller esque uh, leather outfit. Yeah, that it was like eighties fu- rock, and it was sort of I felt a tribute to his red and black uh, costume from the comics from mm-hmm. around the same time. So I was like, okay, I'll 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 accept it. I'll take what I can get. And uh, but I, again, I think that they didn't really utilize his powers as well as they should have. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um 
let's go back to the comics. Um, yes. I know that mutants usually when they manifest their powers, it's because of either puberty or mm-hmm. because like some traumatic event happens. But mm-hmm. Nightcrawler was actually born. Yeah. With all his fur and, and his right. tail and all that stuff. I, maybe because of his parentage. I don't know. Because mm. Mystique, obviously blue, like old school mutant. His father, Azazel, uh, who I don't know if you're familiar with that character. I'm a little familiar with him. I know that he's like a big bad guy. Yeah. Um, Maybe a demon? I don't know if he's actually a demon. I, I feel bad because around the time that Azazel was big in the comics, it was this guy Chuck Austin. It was his run of comics. Mm-hmm. He drew it and he wrote it, and they were some of the worst comics. Oh, no. They were awful. Every issue was so terrible. But um, but I thought, uh, so I remember him being around a lot, but I don't remember exactly what the ultimate explanation was. But I know that they confirmed, like, I'm your father. I don't think he's a demon. I think he's just also, like, Mystique, a very old mutant mm. um, who's just lived for a really long time and is a red version of Nightcrawler, more mm. or less, just, like, can also teleport right. and has a tail. and But he's red. Um, so yeah, between that and, uh, Mystique, it's like, yeah, you, that kid was coming out blue and furry with a, <laughs> yeah. with a tail. He that was, was probably out a, fully manis- manifested. Exactly. That was probably a pretty painful birth for Mystique. I mean, I guess she could shapeshift her vagina to be larger. She could. So that, that is so a, beneficial. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the interesting things about Nightcrawler's powers, and I'm not 100% sure if this is in the comics, but I know in the X-Men Evolution um, show, I don't know if you ever watched that one. I actually didn't. They explore what happens when he teleports. Yeah. Uh, which is basically that he kind of goes through this other, other dimension, dimension yeah. and then like, you know, ends up on the other side. Do they ever do that in the comics or like explore that? I'm, idea? I mean, they've said it. Um, I can't remember too many times of them actually exploring it, but basically like the idea is he like goes through hell. Because mm. that's why they always explain his the smell of his Banff as being like like sulfur, sulfur yeah. sulfuric and like brimstoney. So it's like basically like, you know, you're he's going through hell mm-hmm. uh, or some sort of equivalent to hell to go through. No, we haven't I mean, I'm sure there have been stories. Um, maybe I haven't read them of him like exploring what happens in this universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's instantaneous, so I don't know how much time how he perceives time when he's there mm-hmm. or if it's, ju- if it's just as quick as it is to everybody else. Right. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> you, can, you can cut that part. <laughs> Drinking a lot of LaCroix. Um, but uh, yeah, he goes through this weird, like yeah. Hellfire brimstone universe to like teleport. Mm. Uh, but that's just the main ability. I don't know if you are familiar with this, but Chris Claremont was kind of big on like giving mutants like a grab bag of powers. Yeah, and they all kind of like do something when it's convenient. Yeah. Um, what what is like his grab bag? Yeah. Well, just as an example, uh, well, Gambit. This is not Nightcrawler, but Gambit. <laughs> I love to throw this out, but you know he has the mutant ability of charm. Yes, yeah, I actually right? do know that. Yeah. 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 Like, I just think that's the most ridiculous thing. Um, but as far as Nightcrawler goes, yeah, obviously teleporting. And, and just quick, uh, the mutant ability of stealthiness, because how do you uh, how do you thief around exactly, with yeah. metal boots? Uh, I mean, yeah. He's just very, <laughs> very uh, fleet of foot, I guess. Um, so Nightcrawler uh, obviously can teleport. That's probably his main power. He has the tail that can move all around and can, you know, is could even like carry and use a sword. 
Um, mm. So the, the tail is very versatile tool and apparently is strong. Cause I mean like God in the movies, like he like wraps his tail around a dude and like tosses the dude ar- across the room right. with his tail. I'm like, man, that tail's like stronger than a dude. <laughs> like, that's crazy. <laughs> but um, he can also <laughs> climb on walls. Like uh-huh. he likes basically Spider-Man. Right. And uh, he also has the ability to, uh, I-, I believe he has like night vision. Oh, and he also has the ability to blend in with shadows. Really? Yeah. yeah. Like I said, total grab bag of powers. Oh, I did not know. Yeah. So it's almost like a camouflage. Yeah. Yeah. He like they use it a lot in the 70s and then they kind of like they forget about it now. But yeah, mm-hmm. it used to be a lot like I call it go into that corner and hide in that shadow and listen <laughs> out for us. And he's like, OK, Liebchen and Bamf and he's gone. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, they don't really use it a lot. But yeah, his I always thought the weirdest thing that he could do is wall crawl. Like, why can he wall crawl? Like, because he's like a creature thing. I know. I maybe. I maybe it's because like he looks like a demon, and yeah, I don't know. But it was. It was very. It was. Yeah, I've always thought that strange. Right. One of my earliest exposures to X Men was the the arcade game, where yes. he was he was one of the characters you can choose. And Me and my best my... friend always fought over Nightcrawler. Oh, of course you had to because he he could stick to the wall, and then yep. you just like teleport from <clears throat> one end to the or, yeah. Like one room to the other and yeah. like, you know, put the switch to let your friends in or whatever. Uh-huh. Like he he was the best <laughs> character in that game. Uh, and also in the arcade game, if, if you use this mutant power to teleport, he teleports and kills everybody on the screen. Oh. Whereas most everybody else had like Cyclops could shoot everybody, but just straight ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And I think Storm also had a pretty badass power where mm. she calls tornadoes and wipes everybody out. The Nightcrawler killed everybody on the screen. At, like instantly. Wow. Like that's a pretty cool power. Um <laughs> nobody plays as Dazzler though. Did you ever <laughs> No. I I don't even think I knew who Dazzler was until like a year ago. Really? Yeah. I it's... mean Dazzler's awesome. Don't get me wrong. I love uh-huh. Dazzler, but man, yeah, it's just like no like um, there is always this... a sad kid who had to play as Dazzler. There was this cool thing. I know we're supposed to talk about Nightcrawler, but yeah, this, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, you can't talk off. about night uh like X-Men without talking about them all. Yeah. Um but there's this cool thing that happened recently with the uh there was a Inhumans versus X-Men run, oh, which was cool. actually not that great. Uh-huh. Um, and you're familiar with the Inhumans? Yeah. So Black Bolt, he basically like doesn't speak because if he does, he basically mm-hmm. kills people because right. his he voice can, is his voice is powerful to knock down a mountain. Super. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He can like destroy uh, things. And um, they basically were like, "How do we get this guy out of the way?" So they called upon Dazzler, who transforms sound into like lights. Oh yeah, yeah. And so she basically like he did this like devastating roar at her and she's like no thank you like absorbed all of his oh, sound snap. and blasted it right back at him like yeah. completely knocking him out yeah wow <laughs> i was like yes that's pretty awesome that's pretty yeah. awesome i would not have thought of that that's yeah. uh that's pretty great i mean like i said i like dazzler she comes from dark phoenix saga or part of the dark phoenix saga which is you know widely known as the best x-men story ever mm-hmm. i mean which and i haven't also, read yet oh, which you i haven't I'm, i so the way i read comic books is so stupid I have currently 35 books I'm reading uh-huh. and I alternate them. So like I read one issue, then I go to the next book and read a, a or a next series or whatever and read one issue. And then I just do that and I rotate I the see. list. Instead of just going through and reading all the, do you read them in graphic novels or do you read single issues? Uh, both depending on how new they are. Mm-hmm. Um, usually if they're older, then I'll just do the, the, the trade paperback or, right. you know, if I'm on comiXology or whatever, and it's super cheap there, I'll just like yeah. download the, the trade there. Um, but currently on the X-Men run, I think I'm on the original 
and like maybe issue 40 or something like oh, that. Oh, so you're so, like going from the very, very, very beginning because wow. I'm like this weird, I'm not a completist about a lot of things, but when it comes to like knowledge about going back and like figuring out where everyone came from and everything, like yeah. I like doing that. So like I'm also doing that with Spider-Man. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, um, okay. So Nightcrawler. Yes. Yes. He, okay, so he does have, like, a sort of adopted sibling, which is Rogue. Right. Which is another famous X-Men. Does he, they know about that situation, right? Well, that, well, I mean, everybody knows that Rogue is sort of like Mystique's adopted daughter. Uh-huh. Uh, which that relationship happened, before, like, I feel long before they ever revealed that Nightcrawler was uh, Mystique's biological son. Mm. So, yeah, in a way, they're, they are connected. I don't think they make a big meal of it in the comics, I don't think they call each other brother or sister. So they're not like close or anything? They're not like closer. I mean, they're close because they're X-Men, but they're not any more close. Like, you know, Rogue is closer to obviously Gambit. Mm-hmm. I'd say she's closer to Storm. Mm-hmm. You know, people like that, um, that she's been around a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, that was uh, that's a thing. It exists, and I maybe they've acknowledged it, but... That's more for like fans to be like, ooh, look at this. Oh, cool. <laughs> I feel like that's so unfortunate. I think I'd like I personally haven't seen them in a run together. Yeah. Um, very much like I still haven't reached that point where they come in. Um, but everything that's current that I'm reading, I haven't really seen them interact with each other. Yeah. I feel like that's a little bit unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, they're two great characters. Obviously, I love Rogue. She's one of my favorite X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like they've done a lot of weird stuff with her the past few years, like, taking away her, like, Captain Marvel powers and stuff for uh, a while. They made her more yeah, like she, she was in the movies, where she had to, like, absorb people uh-huh. on the fly or whatever. Yeah, at least well, she she does have her flight and strength back. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but she was affected by the Terrigen Mist, so she's, like, all gross. Oh, see, I'm way, <laughs> I'm so behind. I know that something happened with the Terrigen Mist. Uh, they got rid of it recently. Oh, Okay. Was it was that just basically an excuse to turn all the mutants into inhumans so that Marvel can no own um, the rights I know that to that was, all their X Men again? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that was like confirmed that that's what Marvel was doing. <clears throat> I know there was a lot of theories that they were trying to get rid of the X Men because they didn't have the movie rights to them, yeah. and so they were trying to like make Inhumans more of a thing. But the Inhumans actually debuted in the sixties, yeah, with like the Fantastic Four and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they created this Terrigen mist that was like r- there were two huge clouds roaming the world and like killing mutants because mm-hmm. they you know can't live with that shit. And right. um, recently they just destroyed them, uh, the mists, and uh, now they're having this thing called Resurrection where they have like five or six X Men lines. So mm. I never felt that they were going away because they kept creating more books yeah at the end of the day the x-men are like one of the benchmarks of marvel like oh yeah they're part of the bedrock of their entire universe i mean spider-man x-men used to be fantastic four but now it's spider-man x-men the avengers well they don't even have a fantastic four book i know that's insane (laughs) and you'll hear a lot about that when somebody does when somebody tackles them (laughs) um a lot of opinions but i think they're bringing them back but anyhow that's a side note but yeah uh, it's been such a bummer because i actually stopped reading comics month to month unrelated to what everything was that was going on in the comics but it happened to be around the time that you know marvel sold to disney mm-hmm. uh, it was a little bit after that but marvel sold to disney and then you could sort of see the editorially the writing on the wall that things were changing that things were becoming less service of the story of the characters and more in service of the larger ip that at mar that was that was marvel you mm-hmm. know does that make sense yeah, because yeah. like Instead of, uh, yeah, instead of doing a cool story like 
God Loves Man Kills or, you know, the Dark Phoenix saga where it's just like, man, let's just do a big, epic, fun story. Everything sort of has to change and start to change to look more like the landscape of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. That way, I guess the theory is to bring people over to the comics, which makes no sense because the comics don't make any money. Mm-hmm. The movies make all the money. So you'd think that they would just be like, do be as creative as you want on the comic book side to fuel the movies. Because mm-hmm. that, that makes more sense to me. Um, you know, because you're creating ideas for the movies to then translate, and then people and then you make actual money with the movies and the toys and all that stuff. Right. But um, and uh I don't even know where, where I was going with all that. <laughs> but yeah, so I stopped reading around that time around the Terrigen Mist and all that. Um, I think around the time I also quit was when Nightcrawler died mm. for a, for a. How stint. did he die? Um, and was that the first time he died? Uh, I think it was the first time he died. Uh, you know, I mean, they've had a lot of like close calls and stuff like that, where it's like Nightcrawler, you know, cliffhanger where they're like, oh my God, Nightcrawler's gone. And then by the end of the issue, he's like, you know, guten tag, <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> uh, you know, so, but at the, uh, they were fighting this, uh, I believe it was Bastion, who's like a sentinel man, um, oh. who's like crazy about killing the mutants. And Aren't they uh, all? yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, but he had been in a storyline in the mid nineties, uh, called extinction or something like that. But he was like the main villain. He's like this pink guy. He looks kind of like master mold or Nimrod. I don't know if you know either of those characters. I uh, think I know who Nimrod is. Yeah. I'm not sure about Nimrod master is like a sentinel from the future. Yes. And he has like the equivalent level, like abilities of Nimrod. So he's like ultimate sentinel, but he looks like a normal guy. And he mm-hmm. sort of like led this, a uh, group of sentinels who were also just normal looking dudes, which kind of takes all the fun out of sentinels because sentinels are fun because they're giant robots. Right. And uh, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, they're fighting this guy. I believe it's Bastion. And um, at some point they're fighting him. Nightcrawler's teleporting around and Bastion's like computer brain calculates exactly where Nightcrawler is going to be. And he like shoots his fist off or something. Mm. And the fist show like is exactly where Nightcrawler materializes. And if Nightcrawler, as as we all know, or maybe we don't, Nightcrawler has line of sight teleportation. He can only teleport where he can see. The reason being, if he teleports into some already existing matter, he will basically fuse with it, like right. like the Fly from John, David Cronenberg's <laughs> The Fly. Only a great movie. Jeff Goldblum is way sexier than Nightcrawler ever could be. Uh, I'm not gay, but that shot of him coming out of the tube, though, <laughs> shit. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, uh, so, but yeah, they, so Nightcrawler's always had to be careful to not fuse with something in, in you know, in the air. Uh, and then when this guy shoots his fist off to be where Nightcrawler is, it, you know, he materializes, the fist is punching through his chest, essentially, and Nightcrawler drops to the, gr- dead, uh, to the ground dead. Wow. When was that? This was... maybe like long as six or seven years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. In the comics. And he was dead. I mean, he was dead. And I think that was around the time of the editorial mandate of like, dead is dead is dead. You don't bring anybody back. Because that happened around like the early 2000s. I think Joe Quesada set that up. And that's when, because that's why when Jean Grey died, that bitch is still dead. Like Mm -hmm. she's still, I mean, they brought her back. They brought her back the younger version. Right. Which is like a cheat workaround. But (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, for, at, for a time characters, if they were dead and, and I, um, as a Nightcrawler fan, I was like, well, 
I guess there uh, there are worse times. <laughs> you know, there you know, it could be worse. I could be getting out of comics with a night a Nightcrawler Renaissance, but I was like, ah, if Nightcrawler's not even going to be in the X Men comics, I'm I'm okay mm-hmm. stepping away for a little bit. And I haven't gone back. And that's no, like I said, no nothing against comics. I just the store that I was going to closed, and mm. you know, it was like. That, that was just felt like a good time to end it. So, right. Um, but like I said, I read when I read Dark Phoenix Saga recently, I was just like kind of got me back in and I kind of want to go back and explore. Yeah. Um, where I actually started reading comics uh, was when they brought him back, uh, mm. which I think was probably like 2000, ugh, I don't know, like 12 or 13 or something. I right. Don't know. Um, but basically, it was what i know the fans love is like his like swashbuckling yeah. adventures yeah and so basically that's what it was it was like a giant ship in hell mm-hmm. um and he like went there and like was fighting on this ship and stuff with the x-men they were all transported there to save uh um, which can i just mention real quick i want to hear the rest of this but how <laughs> how shitty is it that they sent him to hell where he's well he arguably, was in heaven originally oh okay i was um, gonna say he's arguably one of the most like pious <laughs> like religious faithful characters in right. he and he and daredevil are the most faith most faith-based characters and that one jewish superhero whose name i can't remember at the moment kitty pride no no oh no this is a <laughs> she's actually from israel she's a the oh. israeli superhero Anyway, they're like they're like a couple of the most, you know, like I said, like most pious, like he used to wear an actual priest collar as mm-hmm. part of his costume. Right. I was like, man, how shitty is it that they send him to hell? But if he went <laughs> if, he was in, if he was in heaven first, then we're okay. Oh, but anyhow, wouldn't, you wouldn't were, that be kind of amazing that they <laughs> Man, what like it's like sorry, sorry, Nightcrawler. Shouldn't have been Catholic, should have been Muslim. Uh-huh, like yeah. you, you picked wrong. You've been on <laughs> yeah. the wrong horse, buddy. But uh it's anyhow, you're wrong you were, to be mutant. But um no, he was actually originally in heaven, and I believe, and I could be remembering this wrong, but I believe he was, like, actually talking to Charles Xavier when oh, he was yeah. there. So, like, Charles is in heaven. That's uh, nice. But I think Azazel, his father, mm-hmm. was um, trying to take over, basically, like, take over hell and heaven, I think. And so he was like, well, I got to go to hell and stop my father because he's a little bitch. And so... His father being Beelzebub, the devil? Oh, Nightcrawler <laughs> said I have to... Sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought you said Azazel went... He had to go stop his father in this takeover. Nightcrawler's uh, stopping his father, Azazel. And so um, I don't even know how the X-Men found out about this. I think, like, there was a bunch of, like, little Bamfs. Yeah. And they, I'm not a fan of the Bamfs. Really? Yeah. They're adorable. They're cute. They're real (laughs) cute. But it was kind of just annoying to have them around. As a reminder of, hey, Nightcrawler should be here. But we can't bring him back to life, oh. so instead we're going to have a hundred little tiny night crawlers running around that Which, can't talk. And I and I could be confused about this. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but I think they're supposed to kind of be his siblings or something like that. I actually have no clue where the Bamps come from, mm-hmm. how they relate to Nightcrawler, or any of that stuff. Because I did come back for a couple years during the time that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that one of the last books I bought was that first issue of the Nightcrawler mm-hmm. Uh, I believe. I guess it was a miniseries. I don't know if it was ongoing or not. It was ongoing for probably about maybe twenty something issues. Okay, so a little over a year and a half. Yeah. Um, because it ended right when um Secret War started up. Yes. Um. Yeah. I think around the time of the first, or I think I got like the first three issues of the Nightcrawler comic, and that's when my store shut down, and I 
kicked it. So mm-hmm. uh, officially, I did. I had taken a break after Nightcrawler died for a couple of years, but I come back. Anywho, um, so <laughs> well, I remember. If you're like, interested, I do have those issues. Oh, excellent! So I, I remember totally the covers, and I remember being like, "Ooh, swashbuckling Nightcrawler," and he was in his classic outfit. And um, okay, maybe you can talk. <laughs> Sorry, I just yeah. got like really excited. Maybe you could talk about this. He was in a relationship with Aurora. Uh, yeah. Like I said, he's been around the block. Okay, so how did that happen? Do you know? Like, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I mean, um, I like Nightcrawler like literally flirted with everybody, right? I mean, he was pretty. He kept it pretty, like, you know, pretty clean with Kitty Pride because Kitty Pride was like fourteen. But even <laughs> yeah. then, it was like kind of like. He would have if she would have given him an opening. He would have gone for it. Oh, I'm no. not calling my boy Kurt a, a, a pedophile, but um, pl- I mean, Colossus also like kind of cock blocked him there. But I think like, <laughs> but I know that like uh, he had a relationship with. Um, he may have actually had a relationship with Kitty during the pages of Excalibur. Oh wow! Um, if you, I don't know if you remember his stint as leader of that mutant team. No, I mean I know I'm familiar with the group, but um, yeah, no, I did. I don't know about his. Rain. Yeah, but yeah, he was the leader. I mean, like Captain Britain was sort of like, I think like the front man, but mm-hmm. Nightcrawler was like the leader. Okay. And I think ultimately Kitty Pride became the leader because she's also very awesome. It's that was actually a at the top level of that team, very stacked. But mm-hmm. uh during that time, I'm pretty sure Nightcrawler like betted just about every woman that like came onto that team. Cause I know like Captain Britain and the and the character Megan um were together mm-hmm. but i remember there being shots of nightcrawler and megan making out oh wow and also rachel summers was on that uh, future mm-hmm. child of yet another future child of scott and gene uh-huh. uh i'm pretty sure i remember them making out probably kitty yeah definitely aurora who she's um you know she's been with him with black panther god who else has she been with does, um does, i can't remember um does nightcrawler have like an epic love or was it just from person to person to person, because you have like the iconic like Scott and Jean, and right, you have, right, like um, Rogue and Gambit, right, uh, Colossus and Kitty, which I, wasn't I'm, even that long lived, but it was kind of up there. Well, but no, but like when you think of X, the annals of X Men, like those are the three. That's mm-hmm. like those are the three relationships that you think about. But I don't think so. I mean, it was sort of like Angel, like Warren Worthington never had. His huge love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Beast had like um, Lila Cheney, I think was her name. Um, she was a intergalactic. Was no, that, he didn't. No, no, uh, no Trish was, something. Yeah. It was like a news reporter. A news reporter, right? Yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. I forget her name now. Lila Cheney was a intergalactic rock star teleporter. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But no, I don't think, uh, to my knowledge, anyway. I mean, again, anybody correct me if I'm wrong here. But uh, as far as I know, Nightcrawler didn't. He was just like a playboy. Like, Mm -hmm. it was really like that swashbuckling, like, I know that, like, Robin Hood had made Marion, but, like, Robin Hood could have gotten whoever he wanted. And I feel like Nightcrawler's that same way. Like, you know, know, he likes to live his life and go do his own thing rather than, uh, you know, stay with one person. I I wish for him that he had his epic love. And maybe Mm -hmm. he does, you know, that I don't know about in more recent comics. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think so. He's, like, barely in any of the recent ones. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say about Nightcrawler. It's interesting because I know that, like, you think, like, oh, man, if you think of Wolverine stories, you probably could rattle off, like, four or five off the top of your head of, like, oh, my God, these amazing Wolverine stories or moments. Um, You know, you got a couple, like, for Colossus. Like, you could look at Proteus. For Kitty, there's a ton of huge stories. Nightcrawler's one of those guys where he's not in the... front 
he's not in the forefront mm-hmm. very often, but he is like the best utility player, mm. like in comics, in my opinion. He's great because he's great for a joke if you need one. Mm-hmm. He's great for moments of levity. He's got a really interesting look, so he looks, you know, he looks great standing there with you. Yeah. Um, he's like a loyal friend, and like I said, he's his heart's always in the right place. So you have this character who's kind of like the perfect sidekick, not to diminish his role, because obviously he has been a leader at several points. I, I think he's led the X-Men at certain points, but like there's not like a, a, a wealth of like, here are the Nightcrawler stories that mm-hmm. you will talk about, you know, in the annals of the comic book history. Um, but I mean, Nightcrawler's there and he's an important part of like, the, again, the Dark Phoenix and like Chris Claremont's whole run. Chris, Chris Claremont clearly loved the character Nightcrawler and, and devoted a lot of time and attention to him. But yeah, always kind of kept him on the fringes, um, which is uh, appropriate thematically for a guy who can blend in with shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I so I think that because of that, that's probably why there hasn't been some great love story because uh, Gambit and Rogue, at the end of the day, they are side characters, but they've had, you know, their love story is like their, is like their forefront story. Like mm-hmm. that's the thing that people remember about those characters because... I can't think of a single story where I'm like, yeah, that story where Gambit did this one thing. No, Gambit's just there to be cool and throw some cards and, <laughs> you know, try to want to make out with Rogue, but he can't. And like, right. that is their story. <laughs> but yeah, Nightcrawler, like I said, just a utility guy, like the best utility player. And I mean that, like, so lovingly because I love the character so much. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of my favorite characters to draw. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it's just like... I don't know. Um, I have so much love for him, but yeah, I mean, having that side player who's so good at supporting the main characters is so important for anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, any, like you couldn't have Buffy without Xander and Willow. Oh yeah. So it's a, it's a similar situation. Yeah. Um, do you know if he had any illegitimate children, any illegitimate children? I I mean, he was with a lot of people. Yeah, no, I feel like he did. Shit. <laughs> Man, problem is, like I said, it's it's getting real really fuzzy, uh-huh. which which sucks. Um, because I really feel like a lot of crazy stuff happened in the 90s with the character. Because mm-hmm. during the 90s was when he was in Excalibur, which did give him more of like a forefront kind of spotlight. And I feel like I'm sure there was some wacky stuff to happen with him during that time. But uh-huh. like, yeah, he has been with a lot of people. Um I, Feel like oh you know what there's a woman Amanda something Amanda Sefton okay who's she that's her name uh I think she's like a witch or mm. something uh but like <clears throat> and from what I remember like she and I call her have like a weird thing because like I feel like they're like related like Foster mm. like I don't know <laughs> I don't know who had them like if it was a circus or something but like I feel like it was a weird like incestuous thing but I know I just had a long moment where I talked about how he never had like a great love. <laughs> Amanda Sefton, if I had to pick anybody, was Nightcrawler's great love. Okay. And I feel like it was a pretty short period of time in terms of like the overall, you know, 45 or whatever years Nightcrawler's been in, in the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Amanda Sefton is probably a pretty short span of that. But I remember when I was growing up, like that was like Amanda Sefton, comma, Nightcrawler's girlfriend. Mm. And like she had her own powers. Like I said, she was like a witch and like did magic stuff, but I just remember, and I think she was in the comic. She may have been on the team Excalibur for a while, but I do remember like that was like, they'd go off together and Nightcrawler would, you know, sometimes use this image inducer to uh, look like a normal human. And they'd like 
go to Paris or whatever, like take the train. Um, it's like, why are you guys taking the train? You can both teleport. Um, and, <laughs> uh, but, but then like sometimes they would go to the park and Nightcrawler wouldn't have to use his image inducer. And he's like, oh, it's so great to just be myself around you. And she's like, I love right. you for who you he are. He had an image inducer. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't really use that. No, often. not anymore. I mean, I think like well, it's 2017. People are more accepting <laughs> of mutants now. Um, well, the I current mean, run, you've got a lot of hate for mutants right oh, now. Oh, really? Why yeah. is that? Did they blow somebody up? I don't up? even know. I think because they're kind of looking down as like Donald Trump is president. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Donald Trump. But like with the whole uh, Inhumans versus X-Men run and everything, like they kind of started a war with the Inhumans. And I think people are like looking at that and being like, see, this is why mutants are evil. Um, Even though the Inhumans are aliens from right. the, who live They're, on the moon. Right. They, how, they, how is that? Like at least mutants that, are That's the thing that always human. confused me is that you have all these super powered people all over coming from different you know, reasons why they have powers, but then you have the mutants who are human. Yeah. But they just have this like genetic, whatever yeah. mutation and people are like, fuck them. I, I know. <laughs> I, so I never weird. got that. Like how is Spider-Man like loved and cherished, yeah. but then like Wolverine isn't or, well, uh, well, <laughs> or like, let's, let's pick somebody super like Kitty pride. Right. If Kitty pride went up, and like ran for president, I would vote for her in a second. <laughs> but people would be like, no, boo, she's a mutant. Uh, like, what did she ever do to you? Like, also, her <laughs> powers are crazy innocuous. Like, she saved, she literally saved the world when that one alien tried to shoot a giant bullet at the planet. <laughs> what? Oh, you haven't read that? No. Oh, man. <laughs> that was during Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men no. run. Uh, that was in like the first like 20 issues. The team was, yeah, like B She phased the planet? Yeah, phased a, a Bullet, uh, bullet the sides of a planet, basically. Basically, um, so you know, Kitty Pride can like <laughs> if she touches somebody else, she can phase, she can make them phase uh-huh. too. Well, yeah, this guy um, was was like some alien dude who had who happened to have Colossus. By the way, that's how they brought Colossus back. He had somehow stole Colossus and revived him somehow. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so it was like, oh my god, Kitty and Colossus are reunited. It was a wonderful moment. And Joss Whedon, I mean, he can write the hell out of a strong female character. So like Kitty pride was better than she had ever been. And this guy's giant plan was they thought like, Oh man, he's going to shoot a missile at the world. <laughs> like how? And they're like, no, it's not a mi-. It's Cause they're like, how can we deactivate the missile? So it won't hurt anything. And they're like, no, it's not a missile. It's a bullet. <laughs> it's basically a giant bullet. Like the size, I don't want to say it was the size of the, it was like the size of the moon or something. Uh-huh. So Kitty went into it and like stretched her powers as far as they would go. And Soot was in the middle of his bullet and phased the bullet. So the bullet just passed through the earth harmlessly. Wow. But then, like, it was basically her sacrificing herself because she had to keep phasing this bullet or else it could potentially hit something else. So basically, she was just going to keep phasing. <laughs> Sorry. I, I know it like, sounds funny, I, but. I just, no, no, no. I just, like, picturing her, like, still in space, like, just wandering I, around. I feel like they rescued her finally. I think bullet. Magneto somehow rescued her because he was. Which is, yeah, it's like, man, you guys got Magneto somewhere. He's somewhere on the planet. Like, I don't care if he hates all humans. Like, that dude would stop a freaking giant bullet. Oh, wait, no, it was actually the kind of metal it was, was something that I think they even brought it up. Like, can Magneto stop it? Um, It was some sort of weird alien metal that he couldn't affect. Mm. So, yeah, so Kitty was, like, trapped in this bullet. (laughs) I don't know how she didn't, like, starve to death. I don't know, like, if if she was saved by phasing this thing like it just kind of kept her like from having to 
do anything? Did she like pee herself or, you know, <laughs> whatever? Did, yeah. Did she like, um, but yeah, I, I, but they saved her eventually and stopped That's the bullet. I guess. interesting because they just revived X-Men gold, uh, where Kitty Pride is now the leader Yeah, and they made a big deal out of her phasing a building. Yeah. And so for her to, for her to do that, that's like taking a big step back. She's like, yeah, yeah that's nothing, bro. So is the astonishing X-Men part of the main continuity? As far as I know, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. That was when they introduced, like, the cure to being a mutant. And oh. that's when they introduced, um, uh, not it wasn't Cerebro, but it was uh, Danger, the where the Danger Room basically became sentient and oh. um, became a woman, like a woman robot that ultimately turned on them, from what I remember. Huh. It's an awesome run. It's Like I said, it's, I think it was Joss Whedon. It was, like, a two-year run. on. It was, like, 24 issues, and they were great. They were, oh, wow. It was awesome. Well, it was John at, Cassidy. At the rate art. I'm going, maybe I'll get there in you about five years. <laughs> five years, Jesus, man. Maybe like forty years you'll get there. Um, it's awesome. So I definitely recommend reading that. Unfortunately, Nightcrawler is not in that book, but uh, it would be good if he was. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I do know that he is going to be on a new line. I think it's actually called the Astonishing X Men. Cool. They're bringing that back. Um, but yeah, okay. Do you have any? Um, not sorry. We already went through that. Um, now explain to me why you love him so much. Like, what is it about him that just, like, pulls you in? Um, I think, one, just from, because, again, I'm an artist, and uh, I've been drawing comics for semi-professionally for a while, but for my whole life, I mean, since I was, like, 10, I've been drawing comics. And just from a design perspective, it, like I said, it's one of those perfect costume designs where that, that character is just really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, to look at cool, fun to draw. And that's what drew me to him initially was I saw a toy in a toy and a KB toys in Valdosta, Georgia, mm, KB then, a toys. then a wall of X-Men dating yourself. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't even care. Um, but much like my Spider-Man figure, cause I was obsessed with Spider-Man. Nightcrawler had little suction cups on his hands. Oh really? They could, cause so the figure could uh -huh. like stick to walls and stuff. I was like, Ooh, who's this guy? And, uh, cause I thought he may have been like an evil version of Spider-Man. Oh. So I didn't know anything about the X-Men, but anyway, I was really like the look of the character really appealed to me. Um, just on a very surface level, but I mean, as a character, I mean, he, I think I see like some of myself in him. He's somebody who's, uh, carefree, but not to a fault. Like he doesn't let things get him down too much. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we could all maybe aspire to, to that sometimes. Yeah. I know I should, I mean, certainly in like recent months and years, it's like the older you get, the harder it becomes to to be like that, to kind of let things roll off your back and mm -hmm. to like, just kind of go with the flow. And Nightcrawler is a very like go with the flow type character. Like he's, he's happy. He's a, he's a very like, you know, he's just known as like a character who with a smile on his face. Like if you really, if you think about like, if I think about Nightcrawler art, it's always like him swing on, swinging on a rope, sword in hand, smile on his face. Like he's not one of those grim and gritty characters, like a Batman or a Wolverine or whatever. Yeah. I really like that about him. I am not a religious person at all, but I do for as a character, I respect his like devoutness to his religion, to mm -hmm. Catholicism. I think that's an interesting aspect of the character because it's something that a lot of comic creators were sort of like afraid to touch or afraid to make so overt in a character. Um, and it also is like one of those things where religion is typically very heavy. Um, like Daredevil is, is again, one of the most Catholic characters in comics. 
that dude's a heavy dude. Like he's always got the weight of the world on his shoulders. And it's cool to see Nightcrawler have that, you know, be so devout, be so into the religion that is a very like guilt based sort of like heavy religion, but still be that carefree, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And he's such a loyal character. He's like I said, he's funny, but like, to really distill it down, like Nightcrawler brings the party. <laughs> I know that's a dumb way of putting it, but like, <laughs> you know, you're going to have a good time. Like he's the guy that would show up and you know, you're going to have a good time when, when Nightcrawler is around and, and, um, but also like he's got multi, he's multifaceted. I mean, obviously, like, like I said, he is one of those great utility players, but he can be the leader. He can stand up and, you know, does what, and he'll do anything for any of the members of the X-Men. He's just, like I said, like a very loyal character, um, I mean, and all of that, all of that, and like, if anybody ever asked me, like, what would my power be if I could choose a power, it would be teleportation. Mm. I don't know why, but I just think that's, <laughs> I just think that's cool as hell. Yeah. Um, and well, I mean, it, it would surely come in great handy in LA. Oh God, yes. <laughs> um, he can only teleport like a mile at a time, though. But really, that's in fine. LA, as the crow flies, <laughs> LA is not that spread out. Um, but uh, but yeah, and just like I don't know, and he's like. Again, I sort of relate to him personally because I can be a sweet person. I, you know, I'm like, I've been called a sweetheart and I feel like Nightcrawler is also like a sweetheart, mm. you know? So I guess I just see like some of myself in him and I try to aspire to be the type of person, not like hourly. I'm not like, man, I wish I could be more like Nightcrawler every day, but like aspire to be the kind of person that Nightcrawler is like kind, uh, loyal, helpful to anybody and somebody who's you know, carefree, but not to a fault. Yeah, that is great. What I have learned doing this show, uh, I ask every um, every guest on, like, why do you love this character? And it's always something that they can relate to. Yeah. And I just love that so much. And it's always, like, a good thing that yeah. they can relate to. Yeah. And it's it's so wonderful. And that's what's great about comics in general and the, the variety of comic characters is there is literally something out there for everybody. Yeah. And you can find something you identify with in everybody. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. I mean, like, if somebody's favorite character is the Punisher, it's like, <laughs> uh, but... Stay away. But, yeah. But, I mean, even so, even with the Punisher or a Deadpool type, it's like you can always find some sort of glimmer yeah. of, like, ultimately some sort of hope. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's what we're all looking for. So. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much. Sure, for I know doing I was my show. Absolutely, it was a blast. I mean, as you could tell, like I love the X Men. So if you ever want me to just come on and talk about the X Men in general, <laughs> man, I could. Oh I could yeah, talk I'm sure one day. day I'm gonna have like a big panel of people just rambling on about the X Men because there's so much there. Oh my god! But yeah. um, in the meantime, where can people find what you're working on and like your stuff? Well, um, like I said, I do a comic book called Penguins versus Possums. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find us. Uh, I do it with my wife, Lindsay, uh, and uh, good friend Sebastian. It's just the three of us were published by Fanbase Press. Um, so you can go to uh, fanbasepress.com uh, to find us. They'll link you to our page. Um, we're also on Facebook, facebook.com backslash penguins versus possums. That's penguins vs possums. Um, and our Instagram and I believe our Twitter are both at PVP comic. Mm-hmm. Um, me personally, um, I mean, if you want to look at my drawings and my occasionally pictures of my cat, you can look <laughs> at my Instagram. I believe it's JR bring. Um, and then my Twitter is at the underscore John underscore bring B R I N G. So, uh, come and like me and, uh, I don't really tweet much and it's mostly like super cause I work at supernatural. So it's mostly for the supernatural fans, mm-hmm. but, um, but, um, yeah, your art is great. You do it oh, all thanks. usually with markers. 
Mm -hmm. um, and I absolutely love oh, your art. So I, I definitely it. recommend people to go check that out. It's really great. You're always doing superheroes and it's wonderful. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. That was Nightcrawler with John Bring. I love me some John Bring. He's such a wonderful man. Uh, yeah, so thank you so much for listening to the show. That was Nightcrawler. I hope we were able to entertain you as we didn't really divulge too much into who Nightcrawler is, but what we talked about was super fun. Um, that's it. That's the show. You guys did it. You sat through it and you did it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of this podcast. I'm having so much fun. Remember, if you guys have any kind of corrections or anything like that, do not be afraid to tweet at me. The Twitter is interview a nerd. The website is interviewacomicnerd.com. And you can always go on that to comment on any episode you want. There is a thread there that you can go ahead and say, hey, you suck. Stop talking shit about so and so. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I will read that and I'll say, oh, okay, I get you. And then I will reply. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is an open forum. I want to keep learning about all these people. Like I've said in the past, I want to learn about all these characters. Tell me everything you know. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you guys next time. And or actually, you'll be you, you'll you'll be listening to me next time, hopefully. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. That's always fun. If you like what I'm doing, go ahead and go on um, iTunes and give me give me some ratings and comment some stuff. Say, hey, this guy's so stupid. Or, hey, this guy's so much fun. Or, hey, he's just okay. I don't mind that. I don't mind it at all. Anyway, I'm going to end the show now. Thank you so much. Keep being your lovely selves. I'll see you next time. <laughs>